Earlier this evening, we heard John reading from the Gospel of Luke, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. Second Bible reading tonight follows directly onwards. It's uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 32, which you can find on page 1094 in most pew Bibles. This is the parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of God. Well, last week uh, we started on our Christmas series for this year, The Paradox of Christmas. Last week we explored the theme, God being so distant but yet has come close and today is lost yet found and we'll be exploring this you might be wondering why we're looking at this passage and not the christmas story but you'll see why in a moment but let us pray join our hearts again let's pray heavenly father we pray that as we explore these parables taught by the lord jesus that we might understand the reason for christmas 
We pray, Lord, that you'll prepare our hearts, open up our hearts to receive and to hear what you have to teach us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this past week, our church, we had the wonderful, joyful privilege of running the carol service for the school, the primary school across the road. We ran it twice. It was in here, and many of you were there to help out. So thank you for serving us in that way. And it was a wonderful privilege. Now, when we had all the kids here in this place, I asked them, what is so exciting about Christmas? What makes Christmas so special? What is Christmas about? Now, in the first service, the kids were okay. They were giving good answers. The second one, one of the kids put his hand up, very boldly said, it's about Santa Claus. (laughs) Now, what do you do at that point? What should I say? said that I don't get in trouble by the parents there and the teachers. Uh, I just said, well, Santa's fun, but not exactly about him. But, but in fact, it's quite common. This is how many of the children today think. It's about Santa Claus. Just the other week, a teacher, a school teacher from our church uh, told me that she asked her students the same question. Who was born on Christmas Day? The students said, Santa Claus. And so what do you do? But of course, many of you would know and in fact, some of the children knew, it's not about Santa Claus. It is about Jesus Christ. And many of you would know the Christmas story. You know that it's about Jesus being born of Mary, Joseph taking her to Bethlehem, and then there's the stories of the angels and the shepherds and the Magi, not on the first Christmas, perhaps later on, a year or two later, and then Jesus born and put into a manger. We know that story. We know the Christmas story. We know about it. But you see, just as important as knowing who Christmas is about is in fact to know who Christmas is for. It's one thing to know what Christmas is about and who it is about. It is about Jesus. But it is another thing to know who Christmas is for. And that's why we're exploring these parables today. Because what we see today is who Christmas is for, who Jesus came for. You see, this is a story, not just a story out there, and it's not just a story about Jesus, but it is in fact a story for us, for us to hear and to receive and to believe, a story about where the lost is found. You see, what we find in these parables, there are a few parables here, is really an illustration of all of us, of all humanity. You see, all of humanity, we are lost in one way or another. We might be lost in our purpose in life, in our direction. We might just be lost in life. We might be lost in wild living, in being rebellious. We are all lost in one way or another. But yet in this story we see there is a God who pursues us. He pursues us until he finds us and he grabs a hold of us. It is that story where the lost is found. It was Francis Francis Thompson, an English poet. He lived in the 19th century. He wrote a poem just to describe that. Him fleeing, running away from God, lost in this world, but yet God pursues him out of God's own love and grace for him 
pursues him and chases him down. And he wrote that famous poem, The Hound of Heaven. Have you heard that one before? The Hound of Heaven, where he describes his running away in his life from God, but yet God hunts him down like the Hound of Heaven. And in the first few lines, he says this. He, writes, he wrote, I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways. That's hard to say. Of my own mind and in the midst of tears. You see, he's trying to describe the emotion of fleeing from God from year to year, running away from God, running away, but yet lost in this world. And that poem captures the, the emotion that we see in this parable, the, the sense of him running away, but yet God in pursuit. In fact, that's the Christmas story. It is about Jesus. That's important to know. About Jesus, but it is just as important to know it is for us. And so let's have a look at this parable. In this parable, there are a few parts. The first part of the story is the story of the lost sheep, the wandering sheep, the wandering lost. Now, I wonder how many of us feel a bit like that lost sheep at this time in life. We've just wandered off, gone astray, drifting in life, just going with the flow and flowing with the seasons, like there's no care in the world. But we've got no direction, no purpose, and we get ourselves into dangerous situations. We just don't know it. But that's the story of the lost sheep. You see, what happens, what happens to sheep when they don't get found? If that lost sheep was continued to go astray, allowed to go astray and, and continue to flee? Well, what would happen to that sheep is that it just won't survive. You see, sheep are not the brightest of animals. They're, in fact, pretty def they're defenseless animals and they're high-maintenance animals, just like some people, very high-maintenance. They, they, they get killed by many animals, by wolves, by foxes. In fact, there are stories of even sheep being killed by eagles. And they're one of the animals that have sort of psychological problems. They, they get panic attacks very easily from a bunny, from a rabbit. And they'll run and they get scared even by a rabbit. And in this parable, the only way for that lost sheep to survive, the only way is if the shepherd finds that sheep, takes it home, protects it and cares for it. That's the only way. And in this parable, that is what we see. The shepherd, he leaves his 99 sheep and he goes after the lost sheep. Now, I'm not sure if you think like me here. I find that just strange. He's got 99 sheep already. Who cares about the silly one that got lost? The, the, the stupid sheep that, that went astray. Who cares? You've got 99. Probably won't even notice. They'll breed again. It'll multiply, so it doesn't really matter. Don't you find that surprising? He leaves the 99 to go after the loss, to go after the loss. I mean, I've recently got goldfish. I told you that last week as, as our first pets, as, as a family. If I had 100 goldfish, one went missing, jumped out of the bowl and flopped, I wouldn't care. I just wouldn't care. I've got 99. I'll buy another one, two bucks. 
It's okay, easily replaceable. Or if I did have cats and dogs and they go missing, what do you do? Buy another one, cheap. <laughs> that's what I'll do. And that's why I don't have them. But you see, this shepherd shows the value of that one lost sheep. He would leave the 99, go after that one, and that's because that sheep was precious to him. He desperately pursued it like the hound of heaven, leaving behind the 99. And after he found it, he puts it on his shoulders, takes it home, and he throws a party because he found this lost sheep. It's sort of like an overkill just for a lost sheep. You would do all that, and you just wonder what this party would have been like. Maybe kill a cow for that sheep or something. But you see, in this story, it's a parable, and, it, and it's trying to tell us what God is like. God, like in that poem, the hound of heaven, pursuing, chasing down, out of his own love and grace, those whom he has lost. And God says, come home now. You see, that's the story of Christmas. God coming in his son, Jesus Christ, coming to find us and to bring us home. And so we're meant to sense here in this parable the over-the-top joy of God when the lost one is found. Look at verse 7 with me. Verse 7. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You notice there it's both passive and active. We are found by God. He chases us down. But yet we also find God. It is passive and active. We find God too. And that is when we repent of our always, of our sins, and we turn back to God. We stop fleeing him and we return to him. And when we do, when we are found by God, and when we find him, heaven rejoices because of it. The lost is found. And that's probably worth thinking, isn't it, even in your own life at the moment. Some of you might be a regular at this church. Some of you here might be new. Whether you're new or regular, it's worth thinking, are you at this stage in life just drifting in life aimlessly, without any direction, without any purpose, not knowing who made you, who loves you so? Well, Christmas is God coming to you and calling you home where the loss is found. But some of us, we're not like the wandering sheep or the one drifting away. Some of us are a bit more like the coin, hopelessly lost, completely, utterly lost. You see, if you're a lost coin and you're not found, you are lost forever. And what's interesting is that if you're the coin, you don't even have any idea that you are lost. You have no clue that you're lost. And you can't help yourself if you are lost. As a coin, you can't grow legs and find your way out. You are lost for good. And that, in fact, describes many people. You know, those living life without any knowledge of God at all. They are lost, but they don't even know it. They do not know where they came from. They do not know why they are here. They do not know what they are to live for. They do not know what the future holds. They are completely lost and they do not even know it. 
And so in this parable, what does the woman do? She turns the house upside down just to find that missing coin. I mean, on her knees, desperately, restlessly, relentlessly trying to find that missing coin. Why? Because she knows the value of that coin. And again, it should strike us as a bit strange. You lose a coin, who cares? Just invest the others and eventually you'll get it back. You wouldn't bother, would you? Turn the house upside down just to find it? Was it worth it at all? And was it worth it throwing a party, inviting your neighbours because you found a lost coin? It seems a bit over the top. You probably spend more money on that party than that lost coin that you found. But again, that's the story of Christmas. Is there anyone who thinks, I'm worthless and I'm worth nothing to God? Well, that is not true at all. In the eyes of God, any lost coin is worthy to him. God, in a sense, he would even get on his knees in humility, on bending knees to seek the lost. That's what we're meant to feel, what God would do, the extent God would do for us. And so in verse 10, we read, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The one who is found by God. It is passive, but it is also active. He or she finds God, repents of his or her sins. That is, I turn away from my ignorance, from my old way, and I turn to God. And God, the angels, and heaven rejoices because of it. And that was perhaps the experience for some of you, where that was your life. You were like that lost coin. No knowledge of God at all. Would never imagine that you would one day come to believe in God. You come from a completely different background, upbringing, religion, and some perhaps at one point anti-God. But yet God found you, grabbed hold onto you, and you believed. You found God. He found you. It was the experience of CNN political analyst Kirsten Powers. She spent the, um, her adult years, the early part of her adult years, as a staunch atheist. There was no way she was going to come and believe in God. Her views did not fit with God. Her political views did not fit with God. And so it was horrifying for her to ever think that she would come to believe in God. And so she wrestled her way from God, just like in that poem. She fled from God, fleeing God in her life, like Francis Thompson. But yet God pursued her and finding her like that missing coin until she believed. And she gave her life to Jesus. She described it this way. She described it using that poem. The hound of heaven had pursued me and caught me, whether I like it or not. The lost is found. And that may be the experience of some of you. And hopefully that will be the experience of some others of you who have not yet been found. But some of us aren't just wandering away and drifting. Some of us aren't just hopelessly lost like the lost coin. Some of us are in fact rebelliously lost by our own choosing. 
I want to live life my way. That is being a rebel. I'm flirting with people I should not be, objectifying the opposite sex, treating people not with the honour and dignity that is theirs, wasteful with my life, with all that I have, thinking that it is mine to do as I please. Well, that's the story of the prodigal son, a rebel, the rebellious lost. You see, he went to his father and he asked his father for his share of the inheritance. That was an audacious request. Because to ask for such a thing is to ask for your father to die. You only get the inheritance after your father's passed away. But he had the audacity, while the father was alive, to go to him, give me my share. Shocking. But what was far more shocking was that the father did it. He sold off part of his land and gave this younger son his share of the inheritance. Far more shocking that the father would do that. But he did that. And with a broken heart, he gave it to his son and allowed his son to go with a broken heart. And you know the story? He goes off to the distant land, the land of partying and wild living. Where would that be in Melbourne? Ballarat, wild place. <laughs> he squanders his money on, I don't know, what you do there, until he's got nothing left. And he finds himself now in a desperate, pathetic situation, eating what the pigs were eating, smelling of manure, far worse off than the hired hands of his father. But do you notice in this story, unlike the first two parables, the father did not go searching for him. Don't you find that surprising? The, the shepherd went out after the sheep. The woman went crawling on her knees, finding that lost coin. But the father stayed at home. He didn't go out. Now, why was that? Well, the father obviously knew that his son would be lost. But the father wanted the son to work it out for himself. He had to learn it the hard way. He had to find out and learn it the hard way that I am lost without my father. I'm lost when I'm far away from home. And so the father with a broken heart waited and waited until he himself learnt that lesson. And finally he did. He came to his senses and he realised, I am lost without my father. And so he goes back. And perhaps one of the most moving verses in this gospel, in verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. I mean, this was his son, filthy with manure and smelling of disgust, who brought so much shame to the family. But yet the father would embrace him. And notice there, the father there noticed him while he was a long way off. That perhaps suggests that this father, he was waiting every day for his son to come back. And when he came back, when he saw him, the father ran to him. Now that's a subtle thing we may not make much of. But what we may not realise is that in the ancient world, Middle Eastern men, they did not run. Grown men don't run in the ancient world and in some cultures today as well. Not that they, 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 they can't run, they can run, but they don't run. Kids run. 
kids play, not grown men, because it was undignified for an adult man to run. But this father ran to his son. His father runs his son, smelling of all sorts of stuff, grabs him, embraces him, and kisses him. And you can just sense the heart of that son filled with regret, with shame, with pain for doing what he did to his father. And so he goes to his father. I'm not worthy anymore to be your son. But then have a look, verses 22 to 24. The father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Isn't that surprising that this father would do such a thing? But it shows his heart because his son who was lost is now found. You know, this father didn't go to his son and said to him, I told you so. I knew exactly this was going to happen. The father didn't say that. The father didn't punish him, ground him, give him a slap. The father did not do that, but restored him back as a son. The lost is found. And that is the Christmas story, where God has come down in his son Jesus Christ to find us. And that's why the Christmas story is about Jesus, but it is for us. About Jesus, but for us. And God is saying, and this may be true in your experience now, as filthy as you think you are, as dirty as you think you are, as shameful your past may be, as filled with regret your heart may be, you are not too lost for me. You are not too dirty for me. You are not too filthy or shameful for me, but with open arms, God says, come back, my son. And I've been waiting for you. And there may be some of us here tonight who are lost in that way. Well, Christmas is for you. But now in this story, there was one more who was lost in this story, one we may not have realized. And that's the older brother, the self-righteously lost. Because being the older brother, what should he have done when his younger brother went away? And he may be hearing these reports of him going to prostitutes and so forth. What should he have done as the older brother? He should have been the one who went out to look out for his younger brother to see how he's settling, what's happening, is he okay, is he safe? Didn't do that. And when his younger brother came back, who should have been the one filled with tremendous joy because his brother was lost but now found? But not this older brother. His nose was a bit out of joint. The brother returned. The father threw a party for him. And he's thinking, how could you be so wasteful on that younger brat? And why was he like that? Because he was lost, self-righteously lost. There was something wrong with his heart, a sense of entitlement. Because I've done my time, Father, 
you should love me more. A sense of jealousy. You, my, the younger brother, this son of yours, he's already got his share of the inheritance. He's wasted it all already. Now he's coming back, and what does that mean? Well, he's going to dip into my share now, and I'm not happy with that. No sense of love or compassion or forgiveness or grace like his father's heart. You see, he was lost as well. And some of us here might be lost like him, self-righteously lost, like we turn to God and think, I'm entitled to your love, God. Well, God doesn't give his love to us because we're entitled to it. It is always by grace given freely because that is the type of God God is. We can never demand it of him. Or we get jealous when God treats others seemingly better than us. It seems like God is treating that person better than me. Or in our heart of hearts, we show no love or compassion or grace or forgiveness like the heart of the Father. But you see, this Father, he, he was trying to save that son as well. Not just the youngest son. Also that son, because the, the father, in verse 31, he pleaded with the older son. And he said, My son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. See, in this story, we don't in fact know whether that older brother was found at all. The sheep was found. The coin was found. The younger brother, the younger son was found. But the older brother, we don't know. We don't in fact know whether he came to the party or not. He was self-righteously lost, but he too had to humble himself and be found and to go to the party. And so who is Christmas for? We know what it is about. It is about Jesus but just as important as knowing that is that it is for you, for people like you and me. And that's because we are all lost in one way or another. And Christmas is God screaming out to the world, you are lost and I have come to find you. And no one is too lost for me, too low for me, too broken for me to find. I have come to find you. In fact, I'll move heaven and earth just to do that. And that was what God did at Christmas in sending his son Jesus Christ, coming down to find us. You see, God is saying, I want you to know that your place is with me and you're lost in life until you are with me. And so if at this moment, especially around Christmas time, in your life, if you feel at this moment, you feel like you're a bit lost or you're just drifting in life, aiming, living aimlessly with no direction or purpose. Or if you're one who, f who feels, no one cares for me. No one knows how I'm feeling. Or if you're one who, who feels, I'm so filled with guilt and shame, I could never be acceptable to God. Well, then what you need to know is that 
you are amongst the lost. But you are exactly the type of person, the type of people God has come to find. You see, that's the story of, of Francis Thompson himself. His life was quite tumultuous. He lived a tortured life. It wasn't easy for him at all. He, he studied to be a priest, but that didn't happen. That didn't go well. And then he entered into medical school at the age of 18, but that didn't go well as well. He preferred the arts. He wanted to pursue a life as a writer and a poet. He chose the arts above medicine. What happened? No job. But anyway, for him, it was actually worse. He, he drifted into financial hard times. He became homeless and walked the streets of London for three years. He sold matches just to earn money and he borrowed paper just to write his poems. He became ill and so ill that the only way to feel better was to, to use opium. And eventually what happened was he became so addicted to it. His life was messy, broken, lost. But yet he wrote that poem because he was found by God. In the poem, The Hound of Heaven, he wrote in the last part of that poem, the last few lines, he wrote of how God chased him down. And then God says to him at the end, Ah, fondest, blindest, weakest. That is so fond of you, but you are so weak and blind to see how much I love you. I am he whom thou seekest. That is, I'm the one you've been looking for. You've been fleeing from me, but I'm the one you've been looking for. Now this is Old English. Thou dravest love from me, who dravest me? Now the word dravest is past tense of drive. That is, you drove love away from yourself because you have driven my love away from you. He's turning his back on the only one who would love him, the only one who would pursue him, the only one who would find him and cherish him. You see, God hunted him down like the hound of heaven, and it was irresistible in the end. And so you see, Christmas is about being found by God and finding God. And when that happens, just like in the parables, when that happens, there's not only joy to the world, but even heaven and all the angels and God himself rejoices. Isn't that marvelous? Well, let's pray.